like to welcome you out to another episode of the Lodestone Training Consulting Podcast. I'm Jared Ross, and with me today is Chris Johnson. And I'm really excited to, to get on and, and talk today. To give you guys a heads up of some things that are coming down the pike, on March 20th here at LTAC HQ, a LandNav seminar and AR Lower build workshop. So LandNav, I love teaching that one. I, you know, everyone that knows me, I'm very passionate about being able to find out where you are and how to get where you're trying to go. Uh, but the AR Lower Built, nothing is better than homemade, okay? I mean, you got to know the process and, and, and have the fun and joy of doing it yourself. We take a very basic AR Lower Kit, and we show you how to modify and clean things and put it together in a manner that it's going to function correctly and smoothly every time you pull that trigger. Yeah, that's kind of important. Now, I know things have been a little crazy and stuff hard to come by, but... That's a small class with, what, five? Yeah, it is limited seating, and it's limited seating for two reasons. Because we provide the, the parts, that's part of the, uh, the tuition, and the other is it's hands-on instruction. So you, you're sitting there learning at the feet of 218 Bravos as we take you through how to put that weapon system together, that lower receiver. Cool. And then coming up in April 22nd through the 24th is our rifle marksmanship series so this is our level one or our introduction series of of running a, a rifle so, and we primarily primarily use the ar platform as we teach and as we instruct that but uh, all semi-automatic rifles are toys welcome. are welcome toys yeah. are welcome you know you want to bring your uh tavor or whatever so the first couple of days it's that introduction to marksmanship and then the the last thing the 24th it's really all about malfunctions and uh learning that function of the gun and how to get it up when you have problems. And then near the end of the day, then we start doing single-handed stuff. So you'll be fixing those malfunctions with your strong hand only and then wrapping the day up with working your, your weak hand only. Um, but that's our, our level one, our introduction to, uh, to rifle marksmanship. All right. So now uh, we've got an in- interesting topic that we felt impressed to uh, spend a little bit of time on. And uh, Well, it being the beginning of the year, and like I said, we're all making resolutions. We're, we're looking at what the lessons we learned from last year and saying, how can we make this year better? What do we need to do? And uh, I'll tell you, we got to prepare. We've got to prepare more. What do you mean by that? Well, so uh, having what you need if you can't get it. What was one of the, the signs of 2020? Toilet paper, right? The, the memes are unreal about, I mean, we've, we've joked about carrying extra roll of toilet paper with us as we were going through uh, checkpoints so we could uh, bribe the, uh, the guards, right? Um, preparations. We have to go ahead and identify the items that make our lives comfortable. Not only comfortable, but the items and the, the things that make our lives livable and prepare to either do without those things or to have a backup source on those things. And I know this is like that big, broad topic of, oh, yeah, everyone knows we should have preparations. You should have food storage. Yep, got it. I know I should have it. Where do I start? A good place, I think, to start is just take a look at yourself and, and where you live. What What's your location? What are the resources around you? What are the things you're dependent upon? Um, what are some of the unique aspects of, of your location? Uh, a, a good example is here in southern Pennsylvania, uh, especially in so- southeast Pennsylvania. There's a lot of nuclear power plants. Is that something that you're thinking about or, or considering? What could go wrong with there? I don't know. Three Mile Island. Um, 
So think about that. If, if things are, are bad and you need to uh, move and, and get out of Dodge because there's a problem at the plant, where are you going? Are you going towards another one? Are you going you know, out of uh, the way the potential uh, path of, of the radiation? Um, so those are some of the things you need to think about. Um, also with those new plants, again, just thinking about that is uh, potassium iodide. Uh, that's what you want to have on hand if you're why, why do I want to have that on well, hand? Because if, if you're exposed to radiation, uh, you can take that and it'll help with, with your thyroid where things will start to accumulate. And not only that, just having that knowledge, you can go out and you can buy that and have some preparation, but also uh, the government from time to time. Um, Pennsylvania has uh, multiple times. Uh, to all the residents who live close uh, to those new plants, they give out free bottles. So you can have a bottle for your your household or for each member of your family if you're in that you know in that certain area that radius of, of where that net new plan is again that's just that's just simply taking a look of who am i where do i live what are some of my unique circumstances about, I, about identifying the uh, the infrastructure in and around you i mean we all depend on the power grid as much as you want to say yeah oh, i'm completely off the grid awesome good for you there's still other work you'd be doing but the majority of us sitting here listening to this podcast right now, we depend on the power grid. We depend on, on something. Um, so I think a great way, just like you said, start identifying the infrastructure around you and see how that impacts your life and little things that you can do. I mean, it's very easy to say, hey, you need to have more food storage. So every time you go to the grocery store, you're buying an extra can of soup. Awesome. Good. Let's branch out. Let's get some, of the, like you said, the, the nuclear power plant. Let's get off the, uh, the norm for a minute and start thinking about the infrastructure that impacts our lives, not only you know, pr- protecting us for a disaster or protecting us for a failure. Those are two things that we need to look at. And what is inter- influencing us right now? Right now? Yeah. <laughs> All kinds of craziness with uh, the current political uh, atmosphere. That's certainly affecting us. Um, and then with that... Within the past week of this uh, recording, we have all the major uh, social, media. social media companies as well as carriers who are now isolating and are completely shutting down different conservative voices and uh, different conservative organizations, such as, as Parler. You know, we're, we're, we're on Parler, and that just got shut down completely. It's, it's really a knee-jerk reaction because they're afraid. They don't want anyone to, to talk or to share information like this. Um, so they're systematically shutting those things down. Things that, like you had said, Chris, that we had depended upon, mm-hmm. that was there. Now all of a sudden, and really in a blink of an eye, or in two to three days uh, time frame, all those things are now erased and are gone. So the idea and that we're trying to get here in this podcast is we don't want to find ourselves in the situation where we're at right now, like, okay, crap, um, the social media that we have depended on as a means of advertisement and to communicate with our audience is disappearing. Uh, we know that it's going away, that it's being controlled, whatever. Where do we go? Mm-hmm. So in the past two days or so, we have been doing research trying to find a different avenue. And one of the things, you know, because you go through your pace plan, you have your primary. Hey, that's gone. What's my alternate? Okay, well, there are these other sources. Has anyone heard of these things? Now we're sitting at contingent. Hey, what if we, what if we start writing letters? Yeah, and and honestly, uh, 
we're blessed because we started this podcast, so this is a way we can always put out information, but because of the nature of it, it's always going to be a day, two days, a week, whatever, you know, behind. Um, so we're working on other things, but one of the things we brainstormed and that we've decided that we're going to do probably quarterly, um, I don't think we'll do it more than that, but we're going to have a hard copy, old school hard copy uh, newsletter that's going to go out, and uh, we've decided we're going to put some other swag and, and, and other things of interest that we'll be mailing out as well. So my children laugh at me how excited I get about mail. And uh, they don't understand because, well, they've always lived here in the, the U.S. and all the, the systems that we've had to keep informed. They've never been deployed and they don't know the joy of having that mail call. I will tell you personally, I enjoy physical mail. I think that's awesome. Uh, when you get something tactile in your hand, it's not a bunch of ones and zeros presented on a lit up screen. Um, it means more. It really does. And you're going down that same chain of, okay, so that's our contingent is we're going to have a means method of communicating with you guys is, is through a, you know, a physical letter or a newsletter or something of that sort. What would an emergency be? You know, that, that we're, we're trying to brainstorm these things right now. So we find ourselves in the same situation that we're asking yourselves to think about. Um, you know, how, how do we reinforce the infrastructure that we depend on? And then what are our workarounds? Uh, great example for you guys when you start thinking infrastructure. Think about roads and bridges. We all drive somewhere, whether it's the grocery store, whether it's the range, our, our office, whatever. Do you take the same way every time? Do you have alternate routes already established? And I'm not talking because, you know, civil unrest or whatever, you can't go through the city. I'm talking, hey, there's construction. Um, or are you depending on Google or Apple Maps? Um, you're depending on another outside company to give you the correct directions to go. That is a great way to start this year without its no money out of your pocket start reinforcing and preparing your infrastructure on the places you go find those alternate routes all it's going to cost you is time so instead of getting to the office in 15 minutes you get to the office in 40 minutes so you woke up a little early but you learned something and now you know how to get around how to make it across the river if you got to make it across the river and you found those alternate bridges yeah that that could be life-saving depending on whatever the circumstances might be having and knowing those those alternate routes and not being dependent on um on someone else on something or or on technology well, yeah, i i was um last year um i was at was activated and i was down at my armory in in maryland and i had to go to another uh armory and go uh take care of some business i'd never been there before i used uh uh, an address that was given to me by my chain of command. Hey, go here. So I plugged into my phone and I followed it. And I got onto this other base and I followed the directions, which took me out into the woods. Now I'm driving <laughs> down a, a dirt road like this isn't right, but hey, this is fun. I'm going to see where this thing takes me. It took me all the way to the edge of the Chesapeake Bay in the middle of like some, some, some woods on this post. Uh, clearly not where I was supposed to be, but that's, that, that's where the Googles told me to go, go, go right here. Yeah. So yeah. You, you can't be dependent upon that stuff. Yeah. So my family's out here, uh, my wife's family, they're vacationing for the holidays and they're traveling around. They've got the, the Google map 
giving them directions to different stores and things like that. But it would always take them to the back, like the loading dock. And it wasn't any particular thing the way that my wife was entering it. It's just that's where Google was taking them. I give the example all the time about how easily technology can be uh, misled by nefarious actors. If I was extremely independently wealthy, I would probably do something like this. There's a, a gentleman who bought 200 cell phones and uh, had them all activated, put them in a little red wagon, and walked around his neighborhood. And Google started rerouting traffic because there's this massive traffic jam of 200 people. <laughs> Man, I love this concept. This is awesome. You know, I mean, that's the, the kind of nefarious things that I would like to get up to, but I don't have the resources for it. Uh, but people that were dependent were rerouting their, their day. They were going some other route because the machine was telling them. So it's a great way to, you know, improve your, your preparations. Learn the infrastructure around you. Learn different routes. Recently, Christmas, we had the AT&T bombing, all right, which is slightly awkward now for me because when I was in the 82nd, we used to have a, a door charge that we called the AT&T charge. <laughs> so now I, I have to think about that when I say, oh, the AT&T charge, you know, it now has a different meaning. Um, all my friends that are still in in Tennessee area and Nashville area that had AT&T for cell phone coverage, AT&T for internet, they lost service for a couple days. They were impacted by this nefarious actor who, uh, who detonated a device downtown Nashville. Uh, that infrastructure, that key infrastructure that think about it, your internet goes out, how much that impacts you, your cell phone goes out, how much that impacts you. Um, you know, we have cell towers all over the place now, you know, 5E, whatnot. Uh, something as simple as a car ramming a tower, knocking that tower down, or some sort of accident or something like that, it could take out a cell tower that is now impacting you. You drive over a block, you may have cell signal again. Um, back in October, two Octobers ago, still living in Tennessee, we had a really bad windstorm, knocked down a bunch of trees. I was out with a bunch of uh, men from my congregation, and we were going around with chainsaws, cutting up fallen limbs and, and trying to help people out. My cell phone did not work where I was at, but I had my, ham, or my handheld radio where my wife was. She had a cell phone tower that was working. She was able to communicate with other people, find out who needed help, and then she was able to use the handheld to reach out to me let me know where to direct my crew of, of workers so that we can get out and and take uh, fallen logs off people's houses and, and clear driveways so people can get in and out and do the work that needed to be done. So what I'm saying by that, when we start to look at our infrastructure, think about where, do you know where the cell tower is that your cell phone works for your house, for your office? Do you know where the next one is? Do you know if, if you're not having cell coverage, do you know where to go? so that you might receive cell phone coverage. Do you have a communication pace plan? So your cell phone isn't working. What's the next method you're going to use to communicate with your family? You know, go down that train. We have the, uh, the comma class that Dan talks about, emergency communication and other alternative things that, that are out there that you can utilize. Uh, another thing then is, is power. Where do we get our power? Well, what's our, our power sources? Um, we've got electricity hardwired running right into our, our home. What happens when, when that goes down? Um, 
what are you going to do? What are the second and third order effects of that? So sticking with the infrastructure thing, okay, we know that, hey, I should have a generator or we've talked about those things. Yes. Okay. How does your power get into your house? Do you know where the transformer is? Do you know what condition that transformer is in? Or are you relying on, well, it's the power company's responsibility? When was the last time they inspected? How hard is it for you to walk out, look at it and be like, man, that's a lot of rust on that. Uh, next time you communicate with the power company, be like, hey, you know, I'm a little concerned. Things on the ground, it's got a lot of rust. It just snowed. Um, because the squeaky wheel gets the, the grease, right? You know, you're having that... Um, that forethought of looking at maintaining stuff that, yes, it's their responsibility, but it's also yours as well. You depend on it. Um, you know, you see that power line sagging. Call someone, right? Yeah, you're not a lineman. I'm not telling you to go up there and fix it. But just be aware of how your power gets to you. Be aware of where the substations are. You know, it doesn't just come from the power plant. You're not directly connected to Three Mile Island. Which, by the way, funny story for all of you guys. I thought that was in New Jersey. I did not realize that I'd moved next to Three Mile oh, Island. Way, way to do that area study. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know how I missed that in my area study. I really <laughs> don't. It was funny. My wife said, yeah, I took my sister to see Three Mile Island. I'm like, what? Oh, man. Hey, we all make mistakes. Trained fox over there. Trained, yeah. Trained, trained observer. Uh-huh. Completely dropped the ball. Hey, you can mock me as much as you want. I fully admit this. Big mistake on my part. So, so with power, there's other things that, that you can do. I know um, there are different programs and even grants that you can get to run solar paneling up, up on your roof or in other locations to help offset some of that and, and maybe have that backup. You mentioned generators. There's a lot of other things that you can do. It's just if you're thinking about it now and that voice in the back of your head saying, hey, that's not a bad idea. Well, now's the time now's to Now's the time it. to do it. You, you don't, like, don't be like Jared and I sitting here like, hey, if we don't have Instagram... How are we going to talk to people? Well, I've, I've done stuff. I mean, okay. Okay. So don't be like Chris. There you go. <laughs> All right. Because um, we've been running radio ads on WHP, going to continue, and that's been very uh, successful for us. In fact, we're, well, but yeah, there, there's yeah, other ways. It, it exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, this is the time to think about other, other sources. Um, you know, the, the easy answer is, oh, go buy a generator. Well, that's the easy answer, but that means I'm investing money that I'm taking away from something else. I am taking, uh, you know, I've got to have resources to maintain and things like that. You've got to do your research about it. Okay, yes, I, I fully wholeheartedly believe that everyone should have a generator system. I think they're, they've made some great technology leaps and bounds as far as batteries and things can yeah. be concerned. This, the solar stuff is, is coming on par where it's, it's actually viable. Um, definitely look into that stuff. Don't be dependent. We're looking at things that can back up the infrastructure. The infrastructure can fail. And we don't want, if it fails, it to fail hard for us, especially if it's something that you depend on. I mean, if you have you know, medical devices or th- things that you are required to live that require power, you better have a backup for that, so that system. Yeah. Other options, too, are or batteries, rechargeable batteries, things like that that you want to have um, in abundance yes. uh, beforehand. Um, one of the things that this past year that we have done to upgrade all of the, the car kits with, with our vehicles is there's these um, nice kits that we picked them up at 
at Sam's Club. I'm sure you can get them in other places. And they go anywhere from like 75 bucks to like 150 bucks or, or more, you know, if you want. But it's um, storable power. So it has, um, you charge it, store it. Uh, the ones that we have have jumper cables. They've got ports so you can charge phones and other, other stuff off of, um, off of cables. And then also it has a air compressor. So then you can, again, charge your, or inflate your your tires in your car it's just the whole thing so we have them now that are in, in all of our vehicles that uh and are yeah, really the, nice the, the technology is there 10 years ago something like that may have existed but the price point was so high yeah now they're cheap they're they're right around that hundred dollar uh price point and the battery technology is good enough that you can have it in your car for 30 days yeah with in between charges and cycles uh, anything like that you got it though you have to know this has to come out. It has to be charged. It has to be. You don't want to find yourself on the side of the road in the middle of the night. Oh, I have this and it not work. Yeah. So just like anything, we have the item. We have to know how to use the item. We have to maintain the item. So, yeah, that's a great point. Talking about power, we think about our homes so quickly. We don't think about the other items. Our, our cell phone. How many of you carry a backup battery pack at least in your car? You know, if you're stranded, you know, winter conditions, your car slides off and down the hill, you're stuck out there. Do you have another phone charge with you? Are you going to be depending on your car to charge your phone? It's very simple. Go to Walmart. It's 10 bucks. You buy one. You just make sure it keeps charging it. Charge it up once a week. Mm -hmm. There you go. All right. So we're talking about power. What's something else? Uh, Water. Water. You know, when I bought my house, one of the things I really looked for was, now this comes from, I've spent the majority of my life in the desert, so water is something I'm extremely paranoid about. You always have to have access to water. Uh, so I wanted to be close near to a water source, a, a creek or something of, of that nature. The next thing I would prefer to have a well so that I'm on, you know, I have my own access to water that if, you know, grid system goes down, I could put a hand pump in there and I could be, you know, bringing up water painfully, but I could be bringing up mm-hmm. water. That's you what know? kids are for. Exactly. That's why you have children. Um, but yeah, water is important. We think about water to drink, but think about how much else we use water for. Are you storing water for gray water? Are you storing water for black water? And what I mean by that, gray water is washing your hands, washing the dishes, black water, flushing the toilet. Okay. Um, I'm a big sci-fi guy. One of my favorite sci-fis is Dune, right? Can you imagine explaining to the people, you know, the Fremen, the people of Dune, that you flush the toilet with water? You, you get rid of your waste with water. That's like someone telling you that they wipe their butt with gold, you know? <laughs> All right. Um, because w- what's valued, you know? So if, if your water comes from the tap, Nothing wrong with that. Good. So does mine. But then you need to, again, think outside what outside that box. What happens if that tap water stops? Um, where else am I going to get water? What are the things local to me? Like Chris said, it was important for him to have, have a, a body of water close to him. There, there's one, um, one of the reasons why we moved where we did is because there was a very close uh, creek that was fed by a, a spring. And it was flowing great for the first couple of years that we were there. And then just this past fall, it just kind of slowed down to, to nothing. 
it's only now with some of the rain and with the snowfall we've had that the spring started to actively put out enough water that the, the creek was still flowing again. Um, but stored water, um, you, again, all of this is don't be dependent on that one thing. You need to think outside the box. You need to to prepare and be as diverse as possible. So then when one of those uh, legs or the table get kicked out, you still have three more that's going to keep that, that table up. You know, it's easy if you've got a, a ginormous basement or you have a warehouse to do these things, but don't discount, oh, I, I live in a small apartment. You still can have some of these things. When my wife and I first were married, we had a small apartment in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Fayetteville, North Carolina, you have hurricanes, you have these horrible storms. So we had stored water and that we would keep it underneath the sink. We had several two liter bottles that we, you know, rotated and kept them under the sink. It wasn't a year's supply of water, but it was a week or so that if, you know, things went bad, we had water. And then we had a plan to reclaim our gray water to utilize it for black water. So what I mean by that is, you know, we could adjust the pipe so that as you're washing your hands, it goes into a bucket as opposed to just down into the sewer system. Um, you know, you wash your hands, you still have use for that. And with you know, water, was that lead right into food? I know we've mentioned that before in this podcast, but we're both big proponents of, of food storage. And uh, I like to eat. I really do. Yeah. I'm a big fan of it. I think I'm going to continue to be a fan of it. So when we're talking infrastructure food, we all kind of saw this this last year where people who didn't have anything panicked and things weren't being restocked like we were used to. Yeah. We were all used to be, oh, I need bread. I can just go to the store. So th- this is January when we're, when we're recording this, January 2021, and there are still items that I would say were normal that aren't stocked that still are missing in, in grocery stores or in, in, you know, like a Walmart or something. So yes, absolutely. Have a good plan for your food storage, your backup and your good plan should not involve, Oh, well, I know this other person that does it. Exactly. <laughs> Share this podcast with, and we know you have those friends and family and their first comment is, Oh, if it gets bad, I'll just come to you. Yeah. You can share this podcast with them and we'll tell them that no, no, you're, you're dependent for yourself. You, you, you take care of yourself. Independent responsibility, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, what I want to talk about and focus on food is let's go back to roads. Let's go back to that road infrastructure. How does our food get from farm to table? Right now, we depend on industries. Industries, roads, trucks, things that all could go away. Why does a, a gallon of milk increase in cost? What's the number one factor that increases a gallon of milk? Taxes. Okay. All right. Number two. Number two. <laughs> well, actually, I guess it kind of, kind of, you know, uh, the taxes were. It's fuel. All right. It's the the transportation of that milk. That is what's going to impact. So as you see the price of gas go up, your price of milk is going up, because they have to bring it to store, and that is, you know, they're going to roll all those things, all those fees, all those taxes, all those costs into the end product. So what's the lesson? Have a cow. Uh, <laughs> no, don't, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Have a cow. Uh, what I'm saying there is understand that it's a complex symbiotic system that we're, we're living in. So anything that you can do to kind of take out some def- 
dependence on some infrastructure. So when you're looking at your food preparation, um, not just your long-term storage, but what can you do immediate type storage? You know, plant a garden, have some chickens. Well, along with that, what's a really good lesson that we can learn from the Soviet Union? And for that matter, the, the pilgrims, they learned the same thing the hard way. The Soviet Union, they put everything together. It's all one common, you know, uh, farming. And it was all run from the top down. And what happened? They had failure after failure. People were starving. And what was their solution? They started to relax some of their control and allowed the individual uh, farmers to, to plant a little bit for themselves instead of everything being collected. So now all these little farms are, are as well as farming for the collective, but now they're also allowed and kind of, you know, just wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We're, we're letting you do it. We're not going to say anything about it, but allowing them to do a little bit of farming for themselves so they could feed their own families. And that was the only way that they were able to, to survive. And it's, it's the same thing. We're getting to the point where we're so dependent this, like you said, the symbiotic relationship that if there's a problem and we we saw problems last year with this, uh, yes, it's a pandemic, but it's not nearly as bad as it was being sold. So if we really were to face something catastrophic um, where everything would shut down, those people, those who had the foresight to prepare and to plan and maybe have that, that garden, even if you're in an apartment, you can grow some herbs or you can grow some plants or, or, or you know, something to it to help sustain you just anything that can help offset that absolute dependence upon going to that grocery store is a win and i'm going through it with my kids right now where we're planning out like a month at a time and trying to limit the time that we go to the grocery store one i don't want to spend any more time in the grocery store than i have to so if i can limit it instead of going four or five times a month down to one or two that's a win it does require a little brain sweat. We've got to go ahead and um, do the planning ahead of time. But the benefits outweigh the cost so much. All right. I think we've, we've beat food yeah, yeah. up to death. We so, talk about it a lot. One of the things that you kind of talked about, you, you brought up and you, you sparked my mind here, real pandemic. All right. Real, we're talking um, plague. Mm-hmm. We're talking serious biohazard well, what was some of the stuff that we were originally sold they were in china they were welding, dropping down in the street they're dropping the street they were welding people um welding doors shut and keeping them trapped in there so it really was being sold as this people were you're going to catch it you're going to mm-hmm. get sick you're going to fall down in the street and there's going to be people dead bodies bleeding everywhere. from their eyeballs Ex- yeah, exactly the whole thing so do you know what you're going to do if that happens i mean I have made the joke. I don't know what. I don't know if it was on podcast or not, but I, the other day about I need to know who has a backhoe. <laughs> and we make that joke, but think about it. If we did find ourselves in a serious epidemic, um, and the mortuary system was overtaxed, for hygiene purposes, you've got to put the body somewhere. And you know, at the end of the day, it's just a candy wrapper. It's empty. The good stuff's gone. We've got to move it out of here. All right. Yes, that's my loved one. That's someone that I have cared deeply for. But do you have a plan what to do if you don't have some infrastructure to rely on? If you can't call the paramedics or if you can call the paramedics, but like, oh, hey, the whole house is exposed. What is your plan to do? I know this is gruesome. This is this is not the fun stuff. The fun stuff is I have plenty of bullets and I go to the range all the time. That's the fun stuff. This is the nasty, gross 
uh, painful things about preparation that we don't want to talk about, we don't want to think about, but we have to. You know, along with that, um, I've seen this a shift from when I first started teaching live fire classes um, to the civilian world almost 10 years ago um, t- till today. At first, hardly anyone had an IFAC. No one was really thinking about that. They just wanted to, I, I want to get my, my trigger time in. I want, I want to shoot. Or now, more often than not, the majority of the class will have some kind of med kit on them. Um, that, that's a great shift. That's a great you know, mind, sh- you know, change in mindset and that preparation. Now, another thing to think about is, you, know, you mentioned, you know, what if it is a pandemic? Uh, or what if, what if those individuals are, are really sick or are really hurt? Now you're not talking like I've got an IFAC and I can slap on that bandage and everything's going to be good. This Long-term is, care. The, 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 yeah, yeah. It's, it's not a video game where you, you run up to your buddy and there's a little cross there and you just hold the button down for 10 seconds and now he's good to go. Yeah, it's that long-term care. So you need to think about those things as well. Um, I know one of the things that we have is we have a lot of uh, bandages, a lot of dressings. We have a lot of, of stuff for that long-term care. You've got to change them. Yep. You know, I mean, yeah, I can slap a bandage on you, but it's going to get... It's going to get dirty. It's going to get bled through. So this time, you know, last year, yeah, a year ago, my wife and I, we took a look at our resources, took a look at our, our home. Okay, if one of us gets sick and everything's overwhelmed, that means we have to take care of them. What is the room that is best suited to isolate? So then we started making that preparations. How do we isolate? Where do we put, um, do we have tarps? Do we have plastic? What barriers can we make so that person can stay in there and do everything and then everyone else can be protected by those barriers? Again, that's just thinking and and making those preparations beforehand if and when something like that took place. And it's not the fun stuff. No. But it is, you know, it's not the glamorous things that win the, the fight. It's doing the hard work that wins the fight. And when we're talking about, hey, you want to get better, I know a lot of you out there, you have firearms, you have food storage, you have batteries. You've already checked these boxes. So just like everything, we're challenging you to the next level. What's your next level plan? What's your long-term plan? What am I going to do if I find myself in this situation? Have you had that conversation with your loved ones? Have you had that conversation with your children? My children are of the age that I can sit down with them and be like, okay, if dad is dead, this is what you do to take care of the candy wrapper. It's a gruesome conversation, but it is a conversation that has to happen because we could find ourselves in that situation. At no time other in, in history have we ever found ourselves living in such a peaceful environment. You know, death is so far removed from us. I mean, I was... 17? No, no, I, I I was younger than that when I went to my first funeral, but I was a teenager when I went to my first funeral. And it was it was my great-uncle Troy. Um, I don't think I even saw his body. I think they just had a picture. Yeah. You know, it was so far removed. And I'll tell you from being a man who has now, as a man, seen plenty of bodies and interacted with plenty of bodies, um, that's something that, a lot of us don't have that experience and we have to think about ahead of time. We have to plan now instead of at that panic moment of what we're going to do. The more you make that mental preparation, the better off you're going to be when it actually happens. The more you make these, you think about these things, you make these 
contingency plans. You have your pace plan, your primary, your alternate your contingency, your your emergency plan for all these things. Um, you can plan down to to the the finest detail when it actually happens or reality is there. It's not going to be what you plan for, but because you made those preparations and because you made those plans, then you're going to be very uh, more able to to roll with whatever that situation might be and make a correct decision and be you know be ready for it compared to the person who hasn't thought about it. Now all of a sudden it's happening and they have no clue uh, and they just sit there with you know they're in the headlights, not sure what to do. I went to a, a four wheel driving. Uh, school. My first uh, ODA was a mobility team. And one of the thing, lessons that they would always tell us is always have an exit. When you're doing something complicated, you're, you're you know doing a, a rock crawl or something, have an exit. Know where you're going to go when things go wrong. And so when I found myself in a situation where things are going wrong and I, I had planned an exit, I didn't use my exit, but I used something kind of like my exit. And I get to the bottom and everyone's all okay. And the instructor's like, so did you use your exit? No. Okay. What'd you use? I'm like, well, I used this, but it was like my exit. I had just already gone past it, but I had already made that the mental math mm-hmm. of what I needed to do. So some plan is better than no plan. And because you're exercising right now, you're getting those thoughts. You're, you're making those arrangements. Now, when you find yourself at that point of stress, you have something to fall back onto. You have something to act on instead of being reactive. All right, so we've been talking about all, all these preparations and working a play, pace plan and, and everything, but what are some of the, the positives? What are some of the, the good things we can come out of this? Well, you know, the right, or the, you know, the prepared need not fear, okay? Um, when I'm prepared to do something, the stress isn't there. And the family, you know, I talk a lot about the family because I have family. And I immediate wife, children, that's one thing. Think about your extended family right now, the people that you interact with, not maybe not blood relatives, but people you work with. Everyone's starting to understand you're not the crazy guy. We've all had that experience this last year of, oh, so I see why you have extra toilet paper now. I understand. Yeah. Uh, tell me more. Um, because they've realized that by us doing these preparations, and we have definitely realized by doing these preparations, that I don't stress. There are other things I can stress about. There are other things I can be concerned about. But whether I'm going to be able to feed my children is not one of them. There's the old uh, saying of we're only nine meals away from anarchy. You know, three days of not eating and people are going to start, you know, looting, rioting, all those things. Getting pretty desperate, yeah. Um, I know at my house I'm I'm not nine meals away from anarchy. (laughs) I mean, we... We can go a little while before uh, we have to start thinking about taking the wildlife in the backyard um, and things like that. Uh, well, I, I think with not just having things on hand, but also just that mindset of, of being proactive, of, of being prepared and, and, and learning and gaining skills. I remember um, an experience I had when uh, Abby and I, we, we had some, our kids were, were small um, the, the, the twins, they were probably, oh man, eight, give or take, maybe seven, maybe nine, somewhere around there. And, um, we, uh, we, Abby and I, we went on a date. So we had a babysitter over with, with the kids and there's maybe, I don't know, maybe four of them at the time. So, uh, it was a Friday night. We were gone. Um, 
going out to eat, going probably maybe seeing a movie or something, but, you know, from the rare opportunities that we got away and the power went out in the house. So the uh, babysitter called us all in a panic. Oh no, the power's out. Well, what are we going to do? And uh, well, because I had prepared and I prepared my children, there's nothing to fear. So why the babysitter's panicking, talking to us on the phone, one of my twins, mind you, they're, you know, seven, eight, nine years old. Um, I had taught them how to uh, pick locks and how to card doors. So they knew that mom and dad had flashlights in their bedroom. And they also knew since we were gone on a date, our door was locked and it was, but they grabbed a, a card from somewhere quick, <laughs> you know, got into the, into the, the, the room. So while she's talking to us on the phone, all panicky, there's one of my boys over there, zip right through the door, walks in, gets a flashlight and comes out and, you know, everything's right in the world. And that's again, because of that preparation, um, my kids had a fun time. You know, the, the flashlight that, that triggered a, uh, a fond memory. I had just, had a Boy Scout lesson. And we were talking, I was still living in California. This is the Northridge earthquake. We just had this whole preparation, be prepared type thing. And one of the things that I had done was I had gone and made sure that we had flashlights by every bed and that they all had fresh batteries. And we're talking like within a week of the Northridge earthquake. Uh-huh. And uh, so the, the earthquake happens and I start shouting, you know, hey, there's a flashlight by your bed. And, you know, I was really excited. <laughs> And the joy that I had that my preparations were being used, you know, was amazing. I, I still remember the happiness. I'm, I don't know how old I was. I was probably 13 or 14 years old. And, I mean, I, I had done something to, to better my family's position and the joy that that was. I will never forget that that's, joy. That's the natural tendency of being a man. You know, yeah. you're, you're going to going to kill that mammoth and bring home bring home that meat you're going to provide you're going to protect yeah you're going to do what what's needed to be done uh-huh. yeah um it's funny you, you mentioned the babysitter one of my daughters she does babysitting one day i went through her purse with her just to see what she's carrying because it's this ginormous bag and she's pulling out flashlight after flashlight <laughs> after flashlight and i was like sweetie why do you have so many flashlights? Oh, well, because, you know, I have three sisters and, you know, if we're, if we're somewhere else and there are other kids there, you know, everyone's going to need a flashlight. I'm like, yes, but you don't need to carry seven flashlights. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I ended up getting her a couple nice flashlights. She has a solar lantern and, you know, we've pared down her everyday carry to a more manageable uh, kit. This is your number two daughter? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so, so her counterpart on, on my side, my, my number two son, when uh, he was with that youth group that went down and they, they saw some sights in Philly and tried to walk into Independence <laughs> Hall with five knives on them. Yeah, you know, I mean. Uh huh. He's like, oh, Dad, I remembered I had the three. I forgot about the other two. Yeah, well. The, the fun comments that I've, I've gotten where my kids have gone to a, a youth program or something, mm-hmm. and they were at one, it was during the summer, and they brought out the little icy pop, you know, otter pop things. And uh, someone's like, yeah. And then there's your number two click knives out and she's opening otter pops for everyone <laughs> uh-huh. and, and you know and then she goes over and washes it cleans it up and puts it back in her pocket mm-hmm hey you know you got to have tools right darn right you know yeah there is a joy there there really is a joy to being prepared i mean it, it does it goes beyond that like relief um when you have these things when you are when you know oh shoot they're doing construction on that bridge <laughs> I don't have to depend on the Googles to take me around. I know what route I'm going to take. Yeah. Um, 
you know my background, military, uh, counter surveillance is something that we always talked about and we always uh, discussed, practiced, all of that. One of my coworkers, and you know, just because you're a Green Bray doesn't mean you're necessarily that awesome. Uh, you know, there there are some that f- fell through the cracks. And this guy says to me, "Yeah, I think I'm being followed. I'm being followed every day. I come into work." And I was like, "Okay, um, you know, I, I'm the 18 Fox. I'm I'm security is one of my things." And I was like, "Okay, so let, let's go through the details. Um, so same car, same time, which routes?" Well, well, I always come in gate four. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so uh, let's see, you're coming onto a military post at nine o'clock in the morning. You don't think there might be another guy in your neighborhood that comes in gate four? Why don't you come in gate 10 or gate seven uh, tomorrow and see if the same car is there? Now, if, if he's there at like, you know, gate seven, same time, you know, then we might say that you're being followed. <laughs> okay. Um that, that reminds me of a, a mutual friend of ours who uh, I think he was away at a school. He might have been over in England. And his wife, uh, she legitimately was being stalked and, and harassed. So then uh, she contacted his team. And, and what did they do? Do you remember what they did, Chris? No, I don't. Oh, you don't? I think I was gone for this. Oh, maybe you weren't. Yeah. Oh, well, they, uh, they checked out the neighborhood and... Uh, they uh, located some homes of some other service members, so they uh, turned it into a team drill. So they set up some surveillance, and uh, sure enough, this uh, knucklehead who was harassing uh, our buddy's wife, he started, again, He driving by and like calling her and, and stuff. And uh, so they picked him up on surveillance. They watched him. They recorded all his actions as he was getting, you know, multiple times around our house and then they decided to uh, you know kind of walk up to him and say hey what you doing and uh sufficiently scared him away <laughs> where uh she wasn't harassed anymore at least as as the story went to me you know so yeah did hmm. you do you know who i'm talking oh, about? i know who you're talking yeah, about yeah yeah, yeah 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 okay yeah good stuff <laughs> so yeah you're prepared yeah you, yeah you don't need a fear you don't need a fear and you know there can be a there can be a joy in it. You know, there, there really can't. Um, and there are so many levels. You just got to start somewhere. Yeah. All right. And assess your situation. Look at the infrastructure around you. Look at the things that you're dealing with and what you can do to improve your situation. It, it, it's simple to start, too. All you need to do is start. And it could be as simple as you're sitting in your car in your driveway getting ready to go to work and you go and decide today, I'm not going to take that route. I'm. I'm going to go right instead of left and then pick that alternate route and, and then take a look as you drive. Yep. And I'm a big, big whiteboard guy, you know, have the whiteboard write out, plan some things out. You don't have to get that elaborate, you know, pull up the, the notes app on your phone and jot down. Hey, these are some holes that I've identified in my infrastructure. These are some things I depend on that if this disappears, I have no way of filling this hole and then find out how to fill that hole. Absolutely. I guess that's what's what, what it's all about. Yeah. Finding the holes and filling them. That, and, <laughs> and so much, you know, uh-huh. yeah. Find a hole, fill a hole. That's right. Cool. Well, thank you for taking a little bit of time and listening to us. Um, 
we're lo- really looking forward to this year. We have a lot that we want to give to you guys, a lot of, uh, of information and things to help empower you and help to uh, get you Make better it better. Make yeah. it better. What, what's that, that cheesy saying that I, I scoffed the first time I heard it, but it's so true? Better today than yesterday, better tomorrow than today. And you know, make that your, your life's goal. I thought you were going to say kill your clone. No, no, I'm, I, I'm <laughs> sorry to say that. Uh, <laughs> Rangers. All right, well, thank you. And we'll talk to you again soon. Later. How much time? Perhaps 15 minutes, maybe less. If and when the enemy attack comes, the alert force is on its way.